Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with educator, illustrator, and animator Charlotte Belland. We discussed her role at the Columbus College of Art and Design, the importance of putting yourself out there, how Columbus gives to its artists, and the importance of forming habits and showing up. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, Stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Charlotte Belland, educator at CCAD, illustrator, animator, and Columbus artist. Charlotte, how are you? I'm great. How good. are you? I'm good. Good. Thanks for sitting down today so much. Uh, we've done a little bit of discussion before we sat down here. Talk about sort of your your work at CCAD and your work as an illustrator. Sure. So my work at uh, the Columbus College of Art and Design is as the chairperson and also as faculty. Mm -hmm. So as a chairperson, um, my role is to remove obstacles for my team. That's okay. probably the best way to put it. So I've got a great team of... Um, uh, staff and faculty. And of course, then, you know, you've got the team of students there too. Yeah. But my whole goal is to make sure I've got that 10,000 foot view of where the overall big picture of where students need to be when at the certain stages of their education. Uh, and then making sure that the faculty, students and staff have enough resources, um, not too much because we don't want to raise tuition, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the main thing. Um, but enough that they're able to gain um, those skills um, and the stuff necessary to actually get, you know, whichever direction they want to go in terms of their career. Um, in terms of illustration, it's a, my own personal practice. Okay. I, I, uh, really enjoy drawing animals. So anyone listening will be, will be nodding their head. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so that passion just comes from a love of the diversity that's in the animal kingdom. Okay. Uh, and then the ability to connect that with live experiences, to so be able to connect with animals, but then also study them, um, hopefully with them right there with me, uh, and be able to capture those, those, that essence onto paper. And talk, going back to CCAD, yeah. Columbus College of Art and Design, talk about sort of how, how much is allocated of your time towards that administrative side and, and the teaching side? Sure. So I, uh, as a full-time faculty member, I still get the opportunity to teach, which is amazing. Okay. One of my favorite classes to teach is uh, Intro to Animation. 
because that's when the little artlings come to campus and they they're there because they have a passion and a love for something that Mm -hmm. whatever medium it was if it was commercial media animation or if it was independent or or game or whatever it is they're there because they're so passionate about it they and they have a a skill that they have developed and they've worked on Mm -hmm. um but when they come in that's my favorite class because uh they're just so excited and we get to try out all of the different types of animation, but then also learn about the history of it. And these aren't folks that are particularly focused in animation then, right? Or they, they might they, be, but... They think. Yeah, they, okay. they, they come in... Um, a lot of times they come in as very educated consumers of animation and, okay. and kind of hobbyist. Uh, they've done lots of, um, of their own drawings, but they might have done a lot of copies or... Um, you know, they're just eager to, to go like, do I really want to do this? And it's okay. like, okay, into the deep end, no floaties, poof, you know, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so I do get to teach a couple classes. That's one of my favorites. And then I get to teach, um, usually it's about three classes a year, which can get a little, makes you, it forces you to choose. And yeah. so you're like, darn it, I wish I could teach, you know, all the different classes that I'm interested in, but you, you really can't. So it's about, um, about a half of your time is spent in the classroom, the other half is spent, uh, just traditional administration work, making sure again, that there's resources for what's needed to operate the department, Mm -hmm. make sure we're meeting our accreditation standards, um, make sure that we are, um, facilitating any kind of, um, you know, stuff happens like with grade disputes and, you know, it's super important that the job has really taught me, okay, listen to everything first, Mm -hmm. (laughs) write everything down and then look at it as objectively as possible. Cause sometimes, you know, people can get, pretty emotional about things on both sides well especially grades yeah 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 absolutely because you know then there's and it's my job to communicate well here's the rubric that the professor had provided you um let's review it next mm-hmm. to your piece and really and to keep everything focused on just their work not you know don't look at you know billy's don't look at you know don't look at right. susan's let's look at just your piece and really figure out and then usually through that discussion it i mean sometimes obviously things escalate beyond you know Right. And I have to make an arbitration, you know, like a, a choice. But I would say mostly it's it's kind of half and half. Um, well, that's why you get brought into it in the first place, yes. right? Like they're going to dispute it with their professor first. Yes. And then it sort of gets kicked up to you. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's so, and that's totally fine because the student and they know, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like that happens a lot. Like it's actually it it's pretty infrequent for the number of students that we have. We have yeah. over 250 students and in the major right now and it's growing. Um. And it just, it doesn't happen as often, but it, you know, or just little things like a student might come in. The thing that I enjoy the most is a student will come in and say, I really enjoy these series of classes and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really liking it. Um, I don't know if I really want to do that full time. And then being able to have a conversation about like, well, you know, animation, art and illustrations in every field. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about strategies to connect some other aspect of yourself to the work that you're doing in the classroom. And it's so fulfilling when the student, you can see that little light bulb go off and they're just like, you know, they're like, I didn't think of that before in terms of, and they had the answer. Right. They just needed, you know, it wasn't, I didn't give them the answer. Just, I needed to be there to kind of say, you have this. Because you're not terribly prescriptive about what all the classes they need to take in order to complete the major, right? They get to make there's some freedom. choice. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, there's okay. a lot of freedom because we don't. You know, we want them to deep dive into one of, so we have three mediums. Okay. So we do um, 2D animation, which is all digitally drawn. Um, okay. And it's a, um, 
you know, what people would consider like hand-drawn animation or like okay. the, the classic kind of animation. We have 3D animation, which is exactly what it sounds like. And then we have something called experimental. And experimental is anything other than our digitally drawn um, animation. So that means okay. anything you can take a picture of, you can animate. So it's mostly under camera. Okay. Um, and a lot of times that could be clay, that could be sand, it could be maquettes, it could be paper, anything okay. could be animated that way. And then we also consider um, then game art and design as an umbrella over all three. So okay. we don't differentiate. So if a student comes in, they're like, I really like making card games. Great. Let's figure out how you can tell card, you know, tell a story through a card game. And so is that, that's the part, they would go into an animation program if they were doing something like that. Yeah. They were developing a card game. Oh, absolutely. Game. Okay. Yeah. Because um, we, we consider, we consider game both digital and analog. Okay. So as long as, the, so the main goal for animation is tell us a story. So, I see. so okay. if you can tell us a story through uh, a dice game or through an augmented reality, you know, or digital through a cartoon or through a cartoon. OK, great. You got it. Yeah. So the, so the students, they pick one of those areas and really deep dive into it. But then we kind of go, hey, we know you like 2D, but maybe you should learn a little little 3D. Because right. it's not that they would necessarily use a ton of it, but they might use a little bit of it to help their 2D be even stronger. So like that's where we kind of nudge them. And then we have. um three classes that we reserve and we tell them those three classes can't be animation. Okay. You got to pick something different in one. I mean, cause there's such a, there's a wide variety of opportunities at CCD and we don't want them to silo mm -hmm. into just the animation because again, animations in every field, if they have a love of typography, well then go take a class. You know, right. if, they, if they have a love of, um, you know, you got a, a kid who loves 3d animation, but they like the rendering and they like glass caustics. Well then take, take a glass blowing class, learn yeah. what it really does. Don't burn yourself, but you know, come, <laughs> you know, learn it and see it. Yeah. Well, and you're also learning, I imagine, you know, specific with glass, like some amount of physics and you're learning Absolutely. like stuff that can contribute to you as a whole artist. Yep. So that's great. As an administrator, who are you accountable to? Is it just the board and the head administration at the school? And in your mind, is it the students and the parents? And sure. just talk about sort of that dynamic and your philosophy behind it. Sure. So I'm accountable to a very wide um, population. So the first and foremost are the students. Okay. Because they're paying to be there. Mm -hmm. They're investing in themselves. So therefore, we have the responsibility to make sure that investment, you know, matches the expectations. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also then obviously the faculty and staff they also need to be able to have, um, that's another constituent that needs to be able to have resources to be able to achieve those. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm, you know, I report directly to my dean mm -hmm. um, and the requirements of um, the different, there's two schools within our our, our uh, college. And okay. so I'm on the side of design art. So there's two deans. I'm, I uh, uh, interact with the dean of the design mm -hmm. side of the house. And then obviously, um, as a faculty member and as an as administrator, then we then answer to the provost because the provost um, she has the purview over the entire. Uh, she if we have a ten thousand foot view, then she's got a hundred thousand foot view of gotcha. everything about the school. So and then, um, you know, obviously, ultimately, we answered to the president and what Dr. Corn's you know ultimate vision is for the school, mm -hmm. and then you know she answers then to the board. So it's a it's a, a healthy uh, ecosystem of yeah. responsibility. No, absolutely. Talk about your background and where you came from and how you got here. 
Sure. So I, I am a Columbus, uh, Columbus born. I was mm-hmm. born at um, Grant Hospital, so which is really fun because that's about a couple blocks away from yeah. where I work now. <laughs> so yeah. I see the helicopter flying over to the hospital um, frequently. Um, so I was uh, born in Columbus. Um, we lived in Upper Arlington until about third grade. Um, while we were living in Upper Arlington, I actually attended um, the Columbus School for Girls. Okay. Go Unicorns. Okay. So that was my first um, my first school here in Columbus. And then we moved to Worthington um, uh, around third grade and was there all the way up until graduation. So um, Evening Street Elementary um, was the next stop on that education tour. Um, we... Uh, so growing up in Columbus, it was fascinating because, you know, I didn't really know I was going to be involved in animation. I knew I loved it. Okay. Because uh, the cool part was I in Worthington, you could take one of the Coda buses right down to um, the Drexel North, which is right next to the Laughing Ogre, yeah. which is a comic, a nice, a really nice comic book, independently owned comic book store in Columbus, in Columbus, Ohio. So it was really fun to be able to just ride the bus down watch like an independent collection of animation which would just be some of it's the weirdest stuff you could possibly imagine and I would be like one of like three people in the audience watching this stuff but it was so fascinating and that was kind of the introduction to it and I remember when I'd ride back up and I'd talk to my dad about you know I'm like because I remember seeing a piece of CG animation and I was like and I was totally blown away by it it was called um uh Eurythmy and it was and I didn't know where it was made and I talked to dad and he was like, oh yeah, that was made at Ohio State. And I was like, what? Like, and that was my first introduction to the fact that there was a thriving computer animation um, uh, industry here in Columbus, Ohio, the Cranston Surrey Group. Okay. And then also then the Computer Graphics Research Group over at Ohio State. Yeah. So that's so that kind of kind of put in my head when I was in, you know, elementary, middle school. But then I kind of put it on a shelf. Um, I did attend the Columbus College of Art and Design for um, undergrad. Okay. And I studied... Um, uh, ad, well, it's now called AdGraph. It was called Visual Communications when I was there. And I um, graduated top in my class. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> but the I was not, I had fallen out of love it, of it. So I had, I had had lots of fabulous opportunities to have internships with um, small firms, private firms, large, you know, agencies. Mm-hmm. And I realized I didn't like it. Okay. And I was like... You got burned out. I, I, well, I or it was just what you I, discovered just, that it wasn't for you. I, well, I discovered it wasn't for me because I didn't feel like it didn't... Not that a job has... A job definitely doesn't define who we are as people. However, right. I felt... I never felt like I was a, applying myself the way I should be or or I wasn't contributing to the team the way I saw my peers contributing. They were, you know, super excited about, mm-hmm. uh, you know different kinds of campaigns and I just I was like okay this doesn't feel like a good fit you know and I'd I'd end up drawing animals all over my notes you know it was like it was kind of painfully obvious so by the end of my senior year um I was able to take so I I didn't know what to do and someone said maybe you should go to grad school maybe you should really because at that point computers computers hadn't really been there were a couple really nice computers up you know in one of the labs and the upstairs one of the upstairs of um one of the buildings and okay the classes were so booked you couldn't get into it as a ccd student so okay. it's like and then there was another lab of like um another lab of computers that you could barely get into anyway so then they were like well you know go to ohio state they've got the um the advanced computing center for the arts and design and like, the resources to, abs- to facilitate that absolutely because okay. i i'd seen like you know you saw jurassic park and i'm like cg dinosaurs that's amazing and right. i'm like how do you do that it was you know and i'm like okay shoot now i've got to like figure this out but um much to my surprise i was 
Um, I applied to Ohio State. I applied to a variety of schools, but I applied to Ohio State. I was hoping and hoping, hoping that I was going to get it. You wanted to stay here. Yeah, I wanted okay. to stay here because, because again, like um, Columbus has, you know, it has a, it's not that there's like a, a strictly animation community here. It's that, that animation's everywhere. Like it's, it's at so many different um, facilities and companies. I was like, this is such an amazing place. You know, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to study it here and see if I really and truly like it. Um, I was at a Society of Illustrator, Illustrators event in New York City, and I got a call from, I mean, this is before cell phones, of course, so there's okay. a call at the hotel. I know. God. <laughs> <laughs> I got a call. Well, it's indicative when you're talking about, like, computer animation and, like, what the yeah. resources were at the time. So Yeah, no, no cell phones. <laughs> well, I mean, there were cell phones, but, I mean, you had to be, like, you were carrying well. a suitcase if you were carrying a Absolutely, cell phone, right? yeah. So I got there was a call at the front desk. They said, your parents called. And at first I'm like, oh my God, you know, something's wrong. Some, right. So I ran down and my dad was like, um, we got a letter from OSU. That was the last letter to arrive from all the different schools. And okay. I was like, do you want us to open it? And, um, you know, my friend Jen Rary was like, she's like, yeah, yeah, like open it. I'm like, I don't know if I can handle this stress, you know. And of course I opened it. I had been accepted, you know. Right. And it was great, you know. It, it just was a really cool moment to be with um you know, uh, student colleagues of mine in New York City. Yeah. With illustrator, uh, with illustration teachers at a highly, you know, was highly regarded conference yeah. and like yeah, and it was like here it, it was. felt like things were culminating yeah. for you. So in that's that how moment. Yeah. So I got to stay. I was really lucky. And got to stay in Columbus. And then, so that was for a master's program. Master's program. Yep. Okay. Master great. of Fine Arts in Computer Animation. Got it. And then you forwayed that into directly into CCD or. Um. So I started. So while I was at um. Uh, at eight, at Advanced Computing Center for the Arts and Design, we had originally started working. They original the original program that they had was uh, for someone who had not been indoctrinated into Unix and okay. um, not working with a mouse, you know, <laughs> and having right. to type in commands. Um, it was a little. It was daunting, and um, you know, uh, w a couple of my classmates said, "Hey, there's this really cool program called um, Wave. Well, it was called now. It's called it was called Maya. It was the original." Like it was like Maya 1.0. Okay. And we begged and pleaded and our, um, uh, the director said, okay, we'll put it on one machine. So the three of us kept like rotating around. And I'm around. sorry, that's, I'm not oh, familiar. That's a program? That's a th or? I'm sorry. That's a 3D animation program. Got so it. it's, so right now it's known as Autodesk Maya. Oh, okay. Um, and it's, um. Because it was acquired by Autodesk. Because, yeah, because it was okay. really, it was originally Wavefront. It was called like, and the program that we had wasn't even like Maya 1.0. It was like Wavefront, like animate or Okay. Something like that. But then it, and then it switched into Maya 1.0. Okay. And so the three of us kind of rotated around on this computer and it like the program that we were using before made no sense, but this one made sense. Like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is made by animators for. It's intuitive. It yeah. makes sense how to develop things, develop yeah. stories. Right. And so it really took off and I was like, and I kind of felt like I was swimming in the right, you know, you know, up the right river with mm -hmm. the right current, you know, it felt, it felt really good. And I was able to, after I graduated, um, I worked as, especially it's called technical direction. So basically people would have a Maya file that would be, they would be working on it commercially and yeah. it would be so messed up. They're like, we can't fix this. And I had a really good knack of looking at a file and going like, okay, here's what we need to rebuild it or whatnot. And then give them a, an estimate about what, you know, what's going to cost. Right. Um, and they would decide either to pay it or just have me rebuild it or whatever it's it was. It's almost programming at that point, right? In yeah. In terms of like, you're trying to get from point A to point B yeah. and like... Here's where you met either you messed up or there was a, you were short sighted in terms of how you needed to implement something. Yep. And you then came in as a technical director and was like, OK, here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to put this back together. Yeah. And it was it 
you know, it was it was a it was challenging because like you'd get a call like on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> hey, we've got this project due on and Tuesday. Yeah, and they're like, and you're like, oh shoot, you know. But it, you know, everyone was very kind, and they were, and it was it was kind of it was very it was a neat feeling to be able to help, you know, where they're like, we have no idea how this messed up. If we do this particular thing, this is how it breaks you know, help, you know, so this was a, in a commercial environment, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I was working as a con like a basically just independent um, freelancer. Okay. So people would, I just, I got that, um, that reputation and people would call and they would mm -hmm. say, you know, call like when even, well, we kind of emailed, but <laughs> they, right. they would, they um, would mostly call, um, you know, and then they would, you know, file deliver. Like we would literally like, I, like a FedEx person would show up with like a Bernoulli drive. Like, I don't even know if people know that it's like a, it, it's literally a drive. it's a drive like they would show up with a, a big old you know drive this and was pre-usb as well yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah everything was a parallel port yeah yes <laughs> yes but it was it was it was really fun but it just um that and then i got to do um some uh some teaching at ohio state and then okay. some teaching at ccad and i was like oh this is really amazing i i it was like that same thing of fixing a file except it was you were helping somebody else you were helping a human like you're teaching some i mean not to overuse an analogy but you were teaching somebody how to fish rather than like giving them a the meal the fish right. yeah absolutely it was great yeah so i i got kind of addicted to it and and a and a position to, uh, there were there was a there was a moment where there was an opportunity at um at CCD and then a couple other colleges and i applied for all of them not thinking in any way shape or form i'd get the one at CCD and then um that happened okay and I was in 2002, and I've been there ever since. That's awesome. And then from there, you became chair after a while at the department. Sure. Yeah. So the major we CCD's history is that the um, they had been teaching animation classes. Um, uh, so so Ron Sachs started the animation classes back when um, uh, Kanzani was president. Okay. Um, at the school, and um, so that's back in the the um, the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. So animation classes have been taught, but they hadn't really but wasn't really like a major for it. And then um, there was a major called media studies and media studies was photography, animation and film. Okay. And then in 2008, those three um, became their own independent majors. So they Got became it. animation, um, film and video and photography. And then in 2010, they took applications for chair, for the chairperson. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's one of those and things you were where like, I, I'm going to throw, I'll my, throw hat. my hat in the ring. Right. Yeah. But you know, and of course classic me, like instead of, you know, they wanted you to write up like a um, a proposal about what you thought you would do in terms of. Um, this is a brand new role. Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote mine like a a birding field guide, so everything was like related to birds. It was like a it's called the field guide to animation. But you every, made a little book. I made a little book with and, <laughs> with yeah. No, and that's it, great. <laughs> I mean, that's appropriate, right? Like you. Well, uh, in theory, but I was, I mean, it, it I, I look back at it and I'm like, whoa, what was I, <laughs> I should have been a little more academic is what I'm getting it's at. It's a little too daring is what you're saying. Or Maybe. A outside the box. Outside the box. Yeah. And it, but it was, when I look back at it, the part I'm really proud of is like a lot of the stuff that I wrote in it has taken place. Okay. I mean, it just, it, it blows my mind, especially about the idea of creating a habitat. Like that actually happened. Like we now have an animation habitat. It's an actual ecosystem that we created there. So it's. You know, it, it might have been written kind of funny in terms of I was talking about like migration patterns of alumni and, you know, how do you tag and release a bird so you can find oh, it later. But that was yeah. the alumni, you know, parody of it. So it just it was um, I look back at it and I'm like, I wonder what in the world, you know, they're like 
I don't know. Who knows? You know, no need for me to know. Obviously, you impressed them to the extent that you got the job. It was very exciting. I'm curious at this point, and I don't want to delve too deep into it, but, you know, now that you've been doing it for almost 10 years, like, maybe it's time to write another... (laughs) <laughs> like, a, you know, set a guiding path in that you've oh, yeah. succeeded all the things you've done. Now what? This is not yeah. your annual review at work, by the way, <laughs> where where I'm like, OK, let's set some goals. And, you know, but yeah, that's interesting that like you've sort of accomplished what you've set out to do. And, you know, that's what's a great next. That's great feedback. That's that is a that's really good feedback. And I'd have to think about because obviously there's more than just my voice. Like yeah. when I applied for the job, it was just my singular voice. Um, now with the team, um, obviously, you know, I'd want to have the voice of the faculty, the staff, and then especially the students. The students have been instrumental yeah. in how the program has developed because they, you know, it, it takes a lot of trust um, because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Students, because um, I was that same way too. I thought, you know, of course, when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20, you think like, oh, I got everything figured out. And oh my gosh, we don't, you know, so. But based on that feedback that you were able to sort of evolve yeah. the program. So you can, yeah. So the nice part is like the students would come with, and you entertain any, you could entertain any idea, but the nice part was like, they really do, you know, they're genuinely, they genuinely care about um, making the program stronger for the students that follow them, mm-hmm. which is amazing. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot of active listening and, you know, you know, filtering mm-hmm. between what we can do and what we can't do. Um, and sometimes it's not a question of money. It's just a question of effort. Mm-hmm. So if I say, that's a really great idea. Can you help me with it? Um, if they're willing to do it, then let's do it. Yeah. And they might do it completely different than me. But as an administrator, I just have to look and say, okay, did it get accomplished? Right. And it might look completely different, but if it's there, great. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little sure. bit and talk about your personal artistic practice you draw a lot of animals i just want to <laughs> talk talk to me about what uh what your passion is there how you got into it and what your philosophy is behind your work sure so my columbus offers an amazing you know it, there's an amazing collection of people here who really do care about animals and mm-hmm. all kinds of different animal causes whether that's for you know, the husbandry of, you know, domestic animals all the way up to international efforts to save, you know, the cheetah. Uh, And so I had, obviously, as a Columbus, you know, native, Mm -hmm. you know, I thoroughly would, you know, um, thoroughly enjoy the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. You know, I remember going up there when, you know, the original uh, giraffe and zebra exhibit was when you, you know, you literally first walked in. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it was just, it was right there. And, um, uh, to watch the zoo transform into the just amazing place and the amazing people that are there. I think that's been the biggest inspiration point for me in terms of animals, because when you, I mean, to be able to, to be able to be that close to a lot of those animals and be able to see them, it's inspiring. I mean, for me, it's, I mean, I remember when the heart of Africa exhibit opened mm-hmm. and I walked in and there were zebras and I know that you can go and to they're look, right there. They're right there. It's yeah. like, you look at them, you're just like, that's amazing. And like right when it's like, but this is like classic Columbus. It's like right when that opened, there are these zebras. And then, you know, then I get contacted by Stephanie Rond and she's Mm -hmm. like, I want you to do, you know, I want to invite you to do an exhibit in the S dot gallery. And I'm like, okay, zebras, let's, you know, let's do zebras. Like it just Columbus, you know, like the sea, okay. might be, you know, for, you know, like sea bus, but it's also like connect 
everything always seems to connect and mm-hmm. seems like if you are active and you know attending and or, or and inter- present and present right. like my goodness this city keeps giving it's like it's just um it's 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 very inspiring like it just the an like the fact that there are champions of animals here in town that also are are, are eager to interact with artists yeah and be able to work with artists in such a way that we can you know one of my big passion projects is to is my donation of art in terms of um you know animal conservation because okay uh, it can go for you know it, those can go for um uh, fundraisers and for auctions and it stuff can be you know i can i can raise more money by you know doing the thing that i love which is to draw an animal right uh get it framed up donate it to whatever you know that that particular group is and then it raises money which then helps the animals, helps the people helping the animals. Like that's, which I imagine it might be a little bit more than you would feel comfortable donating yeah. yourself. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very privileged in my, you know, my career and, and you know, what it affords me. Yeah. Um, but the catch is like I can raise more money by investing some time and, yeah, and effort. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Well, no, I think that that tends to be true in a lot of things where like donating something other than money is actually more beneficial for whether that's even raising money or whether that's just giving time to volunteer in an event. Like, and also I think that that harkens back to what you were saying about being present and being aware of the things that, you know, what's happening and how to get involved. Um, we, I will link to the S dot gallery in the show notes. There's actually a fantastic little, video of you putting together the show for the s dot gallery which i'll link in the show notes as well so do uh if you're listening please do check that out talk about how how you work um and i know you have some recommendations for like how people can get better within their craft can you sort of talk talk through that yes so my so originally in terms of my craft like i wanted just like all artists, you want to get better, you want to grow, you want to, you know, improve. Someone told me a long time ago, they were like, don't erase. Okay. And I was like, uh, what? Like, I was like, there's an eraser on the end of my pencil. And they're like, nope. You know, and they would, um, physically cut it off the end of the pencil. And they're like, you're not allowed to erase. And I'm like, why? And they're like, cause that takes up time. And at first I was just angry. <laughs> I was like, you know, you rebel against that. And you're like, I'm, right. gonna, I'm gonna erase. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, but the the brilliance behind that is that that this forced me like 15 years ago when I was first starting that path by not erasing if you can commit if you can put that one that one line down and just be done and move on okay you can start to get to just the most basic essence of what you're drawing and being able to have a singular line that represents you know a very complex continuity across let's say like the back of the animal okay well the back of the animal has you know numerous muscles numerous protrusions from the skeleton you know but if you can use the width and this the energy of that stroke to to give that illusion of overlap and connectivity Mm -hmm. it makes a very powerful image so my artwork is all about boiling that you know that essence down into as few lines as possible yeah i was going to say that like that you don't you don't erase things but also like there's not there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of extra anything in order to convey an image or convey an emotion an emotion from an animal or movement of an animal um and that's what i like about the work so 
Yeah. Thank you. It's it's taken that whole process has taken about like about 15 years, like 10 years, like truly focused on it. Okay. Um, it's, uh, the like ink, ink became really important because if something, some, you know, of course that, you know, don't erase anything. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to use ink, you know, I'll, I'll show you, boo, you know, whatever. Like, well, it forces your hand a little bit, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's always like, it's always, <laughs> it's I, I'm showing my hand and I right. have ink all over it. So, <laughs> cause that's, cause I've got my, you know, my ink pens with me and that's yeah. just what, um, I draw with. But the the nice thing about a brush pen too, it also opens up this idea of that line width variation. So as you push and you pull, or you allow it to dry out, mm-hmm. it gives you a different edge and a different feeling. Um, and it 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 just, I mean, there's 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 high merit, obviously, to to like highly rendered things. But the catch yeah. is because I because I teach in a field that is uh, immediate. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to choose how much you add to something because every time you add something to an animated whatever it is, it costs money. Like it costs money and time. Yeah. So if you can reduce it to its most most just to that just to the 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 adjective and the verb. Okay. The noun will read. Yeah, because what you're you're trying to convey a certain thing, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, t- you know, being able to get. So the, the number one thing when we're working with like students and trying to help, you know, because we, we teach some classes where they have to draw very fast, you know, and sometimes from life and sometimes from memory. And the goal is that they're not drawing every little detail. They're drawing, you know, that essence of what they're looking at. And it takes so it takes, a you know, but then also do they also have their own voice? Like, that's the other thing, too. Like, I. It's weird as an art. It's it's interesting as an artist when someone says, "Oh, I love your style," and you're like, "My style? I ha- I have a style." Like, and and you know, when you look back objectively, of course, you know, of course we do because we've. I see the world one way. You see the world one way, and we're right. gonna, we're going to commit that differently. Yeah. Um, but when you're teaching, you have to make sure you don't that that whole mimicry thing, like, really kind of. You're you not know, trying to. Uh, use or uh convey someone else's style yeah i mean we do we do master copies so we will copy other artists work to kind of see how people do it but it's it's in the act of actual doing the the drawing and you know not not drawing from your wrist but drawing from your whole arm and your shoulder and trusting it because the minute you start because that pivot point having it farther away from your paper okay. will get you a much more fluid line than if you try and use your hand or like your fingers to kind of move the the brush around. Yeah. Um, so that's like the number one thing when we're first working with um, students and trying to get them to work with their drawing. It's like using that whole arm. And sometimes students have been used to drawing really teeny tiny little things, you know, right. and you're like, okay, that's fine. But now let's, let's, let's make it a little bit larger. Let's find that. And usually for artists, it's like, well, number one, use non-precious paper okay don't don't buy that beautiful sketchbook that that's leather bound and has you know um a hundred percent you know cotton rag hot press what you know whatever like because the problem with those books is that people get it gets precious to them yeah and they're like oh i can't mess this up i can't mess this up and then if they're doing a lot of drawing they're like oh i'm using too much paper so it's like oh my gosh okay just go buy copy paper right and a clipboard like that's literally all I use. People, when they look at my, you know, my supplies, they're always like, "Oh, I thought they would be artist supplies." Yeah, and it's like, no, it's like it's just <laughs> those ta- are office supplies. Yeah, it's like tabloid paper from you know from a you know regular office supply store. Yeah, um, because then that non-precious, 
sharpness allows you to get the really bad drawings out because yeah. all of us are going to produce bad drawings like you know just like um you're not gonna have a perfect none of us have a perfect day there's always gonna be one little multiple little snafus that happen it's the same thing for drawing right so by drawing instead of drawing just one drawing you draw 20 drawings you there's probably going to be one in there that's probably pretty good it might be 19 ones where you kind of go look at right. you know but that's fine because then those will lead you to the next and better drawing but you also encourage folks to sort of have a I, and not just students but have a a daily practice of sort yes. of doing work and you know if you're doing 20 little drawings every day you know couple weeks from now five of those five of those 20 are going to be good right absolutely yeah it's so the daily practice was something that so um that started for me when a really good friend uh cat sheridan took my phone and said you need to be on instagram and i'm Mm -hmm. like what's instagram (laughs) and she's like you're drawn all the time you need to you know you need to share this i'm like uh okay you know so she helped me set it up um, and at first I'm like, I'm putting pictures of my dog, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, with, with this. And then I started, you know, then she kept, you know, Hey, did you post a picture? Did you post a picture? Did you, and I'm like, Oh, you know, so I, yeah. but the part that I owe her so much thanks for is that she kept, you know, pushing me. And then now it's such a habit that every day, you know, I'll do a very quick drawing, take a picture, write a little something quick and then post it. And it all happens within like 20 maximum, like 30 minutes total. Yeah. But it's like my own little daily routine that I get to do. And it's just mine. Like, well, and it's very, I mean, yeah. it's a, I'm thinking of all the other little things where like folks are like, I don't, I don't like how messy my apartment is, or I don't like how much I'm spending on lunch or I want need to go to the gym. And it's all about all those things get fixed with routine. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so that, you know, while it may not be, easy to get there uh after you do it a certain amount of times you'll see the results of of where you want to be and so yeah and frankly cat ended up being a coach right absolutely Kat ended up being the the personal trainer or yeah. marie kondo or whatever else you want to <laughs> call her that sort of got you there yeah uh, to uh uh refine sort of the public part of your personal practice and i yeah. think that's great yeah, it's an, it's an account. It's a wonderful accountability mm-hmm. piece because if you do scroll back, like back to like the 2015 mark, it's like, well, for me personally, I look at it, I'm like, Whoa, you know, because if I, you know, if one of those had popped up now, I'd be like, okay, something's wrong, Charlotte, and you got, you know, sorry, right. you strained your arm muscle or whatever. <laughs> but but back then it was like I was like, oh wow, I really like this. I just take a picture of it. N- now one thing I can say that um, I've been a little bad about is okay. that just like with any you know social media platform, you know you show your best. So like there's those 19 bad drawings and the 20th good one. Okay, right. well as a human trying to you know just that classic social media um, trap that we get into is showing um, just the best one. So yeah. I've been trying recently because it's really when you have um, you know, this, uh, this community, like, I don't like calling them followers. Like, I know that's, that's how they put it on Instagram, but it's yeah. like, like my, my community of people that believe in me and believe in my art, they will, you know, one person said, Oh, I'd really like to see, you know, cause like they saw another little kind of drawing pop, pop up on the side of, uh, you know, a, a post, like, can yeah. I see that drawing? And I was like, I'm like, Oh, well, that's that a, not very good, I like, but I posted it. Yeah. And it was like, the reception was so great that now i'm trying to just like post a raw picture like the raw page of drawings yeah um well and also hopefully a little bit of analysis into the process too right yes yeah yeah and they do and yeah and that's the part that um 
because I can get into a habit really quick where I'm like, I draw a picture, I post it, and then I just, you know, kind of move on to whatever tasks I have to do. Right. Um, but that was the one, that's the one thing I really like about that community is that they, you know, cause they're right. Cause there's people starting out that are just like, I don't want to post anything. So I don't feel comfortable doing it. I mean, Absolutely. I, had, I had the naive, um, you know, uh, fortune of Instagram had just started. Mm-hmm. So like, what you I, organically wh- have a lot of followers, right? Because you were yes, on there. Yes, it's very and, organic. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other no, the nice thing. It's like that's a very organic, you know, um, like a lot of companies will, a lot of art supply companies will approach me and they're like, oh, we want to see your statistics and blah, 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 and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, uh, it's not that I'm kind like, of account. Yeah, right? I'm like, I don't have access to statistics. So they're like, well, how'd you grow it? And it's like, it just ha- it literally, it's, it's. I was on there early and often. And often, early yeah. and often. Right, I was, I showed up. And exactly. It was very organic. Yeah. Well, and I, again, that extends to the success that somebody may see in a per- personal practice is like, you got to keep doing it and doing the work. Yes. Again, regardless of the field. Um, just to pivot one more time, talk to me about where you see the Columbus art community now um, and the good things that are happening there, the bad things that sure. are happening there and what's going on. The The good thing that I see about the Columbus community is that, there is w- there is such a diverse definition of art mm-hmm. that it's not just visual art and i i know that sometimes for co- you know for communities that can be like oh well, of course but it's like no it's like there are so many ways that humans can express themselves artistically and it doesn't mean that it's visual it can also be you know audio it can be um you know the act of movement it can mm-hmm. be a variety of things and columbus celebrates that uh, you know, and it's, I can't, I can't, you know, and I, and I can't say, uh, you know, enough about, um, what the greater Columbus arts council is, you know, um, offered to me and our, and, and the, the, the campaign artists, um, mm-hmm. from this year and years past, it's, it, it really, it's inspiring to walk into that room and see the other, you know, see the other artists and hear yeah. them talk about their work and their process. And you're like, it's it's empowering it's like yeah. people, people always ask me they're like why do you, you know why do you stay in columbus and i'm like i was like well you have to you, you show up and find out yeah you know because we you know um so my wife and i we've we've gone to different places in the country and tried to you know maybe we want to live here maybe we want to live there and we would get there and it would be a lot of doors didn't and I'm not saying the door, I would expect the doors to fling open at any, right. you know, in any places, but I expected to have a little bit more of an interaction with, with folks. But, you know, you come back to Columbus and, you know, you just kind of, you show a genuine interest in what a person is doing or what they're working on or, or whatever it is. And then, oh my gosh, like just connections happen. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, you know, no place is perfect, of course. Like, you know, I'm not, you know, saying that, but it's just, I... I really believe in the art community that we have here and I'm so honored to be a part of it. What are the things that you think that Columbus could do better at? I think we can to some, something we can do better with is that's a great question. I would say connecting connecting um connecting that not-for-profit world with or sorry, non-for-profit world mm-hmm. with artists that are willing to um, participate. And not not huge things or whatnot, but like okay. because the catch is not-for-profits. Obviously, they have a delineated source of income. Yeah, that they're the people who have pro- the people who have provided them that money have you know gifted them that money have specific 
restrictions about what they can pay to use. Yeah. And I think that there is ways, you know, art as a, a tool for healing and art as a tool for community. Okay. That I wish there was a way that the, the, the non-for-profit group and the art, like the artists that the, the, the volunteer army or artists that want to yeah. help that there could be ways of kind of connecting that, but then offering, um, the guidance necessary for those artists to understand that they still need to provide that company, you know, the, their, their invoice of what they did, but, right. this, but then you list it as and gratis at the, you know, as, yeah. the, as the final total, because then that offers an opportunity for then that company to come back and, or that, you know, that the, the group to come back to the artist and say, thank you for your donation. And right. it has a, it has a, there's a, value. a tax implication there. Yeah. And, right. I think there's an organic connection. I, I may mean, see it happening a little bit, but I would love to see it happen more. Okay. Great. Charlotte, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite illustrator. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.